Chapter seventy nine of Wild Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Goff. Wild Wales by George Borrow. Chapter seventy nine. Machynlleth, pronounced Machynlleth is one of the principal towns of the district which the English called Montgomeryshire, and the Welsh shire Trevaldwin, or the shire of Baldwin's town. Trevaldwin, or the town of Baldwin, being the Welsh name for the town which is generally termed Montgomery. It is situated in nearly the centre of the valley of the Dovey, amidst pleasant green meadows, having to the north the river, from which, however, it is separated by a gentle hill. It possesses a stately church, parts of which are of considerable antiquity, and one or two good streets. It is a thoroughly Welsh town, and the inhabitants, who amount in number to about four thousand, speak the ancient British language with considerable purity. Machynlleth has been the scene of remarkable events, and is connected with remarkable names, some of which have rung through the world. At Machynlleth, in 1402, Owen Glendower, after several brilliant victories over the English, held a parliament in a house which is yet to be seen in the eastern street, and was formerly crowned King of Wales. In his retinue was the venerable bard, Yologoch, who, imagining that he now saw the old prophecy fulfilled, namely that a prince of the race of Cadwallader should rule the Britons, after emancipating them from the Saxon yoke, greeted the chieftain with an ode to the following effect. Here's the life I've sighed for long. Abashed is now the Saxon throng. And Britons have a British lord, whose emblem is the conquering sword. There's none, I trow, but knows him well, the hero of the watery dell. Owain, of bloody spear in field, Owain, his country's strongest shield. A sovereign bright in grandeur dressed, whose frown affrights the bravest breast. Let from the world up soar on high a voice of splendid prophecy. All praise to him who forth doth stand To avenge his injured native land. Of him a leal frame Shall bear through countless years his name. In him are blended portents three, Their glories blended, sung shall be. There's Oswine, meteor of the glen, The head of princely generous men. Owain, the lord of trenchant steel, Who makes the hostile squadrons reel. Owain besides of warlike look, A conqueror who no stay will brook. Hail to the lion leader gay, Marshaller of Griffith's war array, The scourger of the flattering race, For them a dagger has his face. Each traitor false he loves to smite, A lion is he for deeds of might. Soon may he tear, like lion grim, All the Hloigrian's limb from limb. May God and Rome's blessed father high deck him in surest panoply. Hail to the valiant Carnegie, worthy three diadems to bear. Hail to the valley's belted king, hail to the widely conquering, the liberal, hospitable kind, trusty and keen, as steel refined. Vigorous of form he nations bows, whilst from his breastplate bounty flows. Of horse's seed, on hill and plain, Four hundred thousand he has slain. The copestone of our nations he, In him our wheel, our all we see. 
Though calm he looks his plans when breeding, Yet oaks he'd break his clans when leading. Hail to this partisan of war, This bursting meteor, flaming far, Where'er he wends, St. Peter guard him, And may the Lord five lives award him. To Machantleth on the occasion of the Parliament came David Gam, so celebrated in after time, not, however, with the view of entering into the councils of Glendower, or of doing him homage, but of assassinating him. This man, whose surname Gam signifies crooked, was a petty chieftain of Breconshire. He was small of stature and deformed in person, though possessed of great strength. He was very sensitive of injury, though quite as alive to kindness, a thorough-going enemy and a thorough-going friend. In the earlier part of his life he had been driven from his own country for killing a man called Big Richard of Sluch in the high street of Aberhonthe, or Brecon, and had found refuge in England and kind treatment in the house of John of Gaunt, for whose son Henry, generally called Bolingbroke, he formed one of his violent friendships. Bolingbroke, on becoming King Henry the Fourth, not only restored the crooked little Welshman to his possessions, but gave him employments of great trust and profit in Herefordshire. The insurrection of Glendower against Henry was quite sufficient to kindle against him the deadly hatred of David, who swore by the nails of God that he would stab his countrymen for daring to rebel against his friend King Henry, the son of the man who had received him in his house and comforted him when his own countrymen were threatening his destruction. He therefore went to Machantlas with the full intention of stabbing Glendower, perfectly indifferent as to what might subsequently be his own fate. Glendower, however, who had heard of his threat, caused him to be seized and conducted in chains to a prison which he had in the mountains of Sichauth. Shortly afterwards, passing through Breconshire with his host, he burnt David's house, a fair edifice called the Carnigwen, situated on a hillock near the river Honthi, to the ground and seeing one of Gam's dependents gazing mournfully on the smouldering ruins, he uttered the following taunting englin. Shouldst thou a little red man descry, asking about his dwelling fair, tell him it under the bank doth lie, and its brow the mark of the coal doth bear. David remained confined till the fall of Glendower, shortly after which event he followed Henry V to France where he achieved that glory which will forever bloom, dying, covered with wounds, on the fields of Agincourt, after saving the life of the king, to whom in the dreadest and most critical moment of the fight he stuck closer than a brother, not from any abstract feeling of loyalty, but from the consideration that King Henry V was the son of King Henry IV, who was the son of the man who received and comforted him in his house, after his own countrymen had hunted him from house and land. Connected with Machantleth is a name not so widely celebrated as those of Glendower and David Gam, but well known to and cherished by the lovers of Welsh song. It is that of Llawden, a Welsh bard in holy orders, who officiated as priest at Machantleth from 1440 to 1460. But though Machantleth was his place of residence for many years, it was not the place of his birth, Llachur in Carmarthenshire being the spot where he first saw the light. He was an excellent poet, and displayed in his compositions such elegance of language and such a knowledge of prosody that it was customary, long after his death, 
when any masterpiece of vocal song or eloquence was produced, to say that it bore the traces of Lauthen's hatchet. At the request of Griffith ap Nicholas, a powerful chieftain of South Wales, and a great patron of the muse, he drew up a statute relating to poets and poetry, and at the Great Estethval, or Poetical Congress, held at Carmarthen in the year 1450, under the auspices of Griffith, which was attended by the most celebrated baths of the North and South, he officiated as judge, in conjunction with the chieftain, upon the compositions of the bards who competed for the prize, a little silver chair. Not without reason, therefore, do the inhabitants of Machantlet consider the residence of such a man within their walls, though at a far bygone period, as conferring a lustre on their town. And Lewis Meredith has probability on his side when, in his pretty poem on Glendavy, he says, Whilst fair Machantlet decks thy quiet plain, conjoined with it shall Lauthen's name remain. End of chapter 79